podcast everyone this uh, weekend is freak out fest and today one of my guests just recently performed at freak out fest on friday which is that was november 12th uh, 11th 11th oh there we go it was my it was my birthday on november 10th so really yeah. my nephew's birthday is on november 10th oh. happy birthday to you thank you thank you my, my guest uh, splits her time between mexico city and la she's currently here in seattle for freak out fest it's my pleasure to introduce Marion Ra. Thank you. Hell yeah. Hi. So let's let's first uh, start off with how did you get connected with Freak Out Fest? Uh, I guess it's just one of those situations where you, you meet people along the way. I met a guy at some point when he was in Mexico City because we have mutual friends uh, mm. from Monkey Bee Festival. Okay. So the organizers are very good friends of mine and I've collaborated on things with them. And so I met him on a, yeah, on one of his visits when they were doing things with the new band, Mala Suerte 666. And, uh, and then just as I was releasing stuff, it was just, yeah, eventually through, um, my booking agency, uh, space agency, oh. uh, that was, Put together, yeah. So, how long did it take for you to get a, a booking agency and like management? Um, well, you know, it's I guess the way I approached my career has always been I don't do one thing at a time, it's more mm -hmm. like you look at all the areas that need to be addressed and and you cover all aspects of it, like a well, like a like you would any company, right. like there's that administrative part. So you know, you need someone in the taking care of management. And if you don't have a manager, you have to be your management. Mm -hmm. But it's a separate role to being the creator. And you have to be able to change hats. Right. And so I guess from the start, it was always clear to me that having um, that area, having support in the booking area was important. And I was very fortunate to meet um, Joey through the producer I worked with and he really liked the album mm -hmm. and took to it and he's been supportive from the start um and it's you know it's a work in progress like you right. you know you collaborate on this and like you bring you have to bring ideas to the table and and see what works so it's uh, it's like a joint effort really hell yeah that's that's cool that you kind of knew that from the start that you kind of had to look at it as a business you know because yeah. i feel like tons of creatives kind of fail on that part yeah and um 
they start to get stagnant because they don't realize maybe they're putting all this time and effort into art, but they're not thinking about marketing or getting a management or anything like that. Yeah, it's um, it's a lot. Yes. It's a lot to do music, um, not because I think there's a huge misconception about the frustrations that come with the territory, mm-hmm. and it and and it's I'm very vocal about the fact that it's not any different from any other career path. The thing right. is that there's this misconception, but like it's a bit of a whimsical, infantile fantasy to think that everyone's going to have like that management that's, that believes in you and is going to do all of it for you. Mm-hmm. And you just have to sit back and be brilliant and creative and unique. And it's not like that. It's it's uh, it's definitely a, like being a professional requires you being a professional. Yeah. It's looking at all the areas. A hundred percent. Yeah, it's a... It takes time, yeah, and research, yeah, a lot of research yeah. and connections. Just like yeah, you're yeah. just like any other business here. Like if you want to be a chef, you know, like yeah, what do you got to do? Hundred yeah. percent. So you got your start in Mexico City. Like, were you born and raised in Mexico City? I was born. I wasn't raised. Uh, we moved when I was like a year old. Okay. So we went to. We lived in Vegas at first. Ooh. So I was in Vegas until I was like five. Then Houston. Uh, and then between the age of like, I don't know, must have been like seven and 23 roughly, I was back and forth between the UK and Texas and some sprinkled in with like chapters in Mexico City. But eventually I, I decided to move to Mexico. Um, and I, I fell in love with the city. Like I had never really lived there. So it was Mm -hmm. always like I would visit family, but I, but. Also, half of my family is in the U.S., so it was it was just a lot of moving around and a lot of friends in the U.K. I never expected to be having the relationship I have with the U.S. now, but mm-hmm. I, I I always assumed it would continue with the U.K. and then that shifted. And um, so you never know, you never know, you can mm-hmm. never predict these things. Um, but it definitely shaped the color of uh, the sound of what the type of music I make. Um, it's kind of that the. Texan twang is in there, like inevitably at times. And I was very um, influenced by rodeos. My mother had a boyfriend who was like typical Texan cowboy and he would take us to the honky tonks and Mm -hmm. to all these things. And I was just exposed to it. And from just a very, very young age, that kind of, and I loved music always. So it was just very, very seductive. And then like we lived in Chelsea during the 80s. So like the punk scene was huge. Like I would see all the like, you know, Mohawks and like punks walking down the street in Chelsea. It was really impactful. And the music that was like blaring out of like every corner shop was also like very influential. So I don't know. I think it's like all of that. Like when you say the word raised, Mm -hmm. like born and raised to me, it's like the way you're raised is like that kind of palette of influence and culture. And Um, and it's just, it's a, it's kind of quite a mix. That's a great answer. So where do you, where do you get your accent from then? It's like, well, there you go. It's like a map, right? Yeah. Of all the places. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, it was just, it's. What do people think you are when they, when they hear they you speak? They never know. <laughs> <laughs> they never know. They really don't know. I mean, it's, it's always this, um, very, sometimes, I mean, lately I feel like my, the, kind of the English influence is fading because okay. I, I don't go back as much mm. and it's becoming it's like more neutral but it used to be really 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 thick um, now it's just more of a like very neutral mm. uh, 
weird accent <laughs> and people don't know. Wait, so what is your ethnicity then? Well, I'm Mexican and uh, my parents are from Veracruz. I don't even know. Where is that? Veracruz is uh, on the Gulf Coast of Mexico. So it's okay. very, it, it's very Caribbean. It was like, the, that's where the, 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 the Spaniards the point that the Spaniards arrived into, okay. like conquer Mexico. Uh, so my ethnic, uh, I mean, I, like most Mexicans, it's a it's kind of a mix between European and native. Okay. So that's the that's the mix. Dope. So how many how many languages do you speak? Uh two solid okay. a solid two. Hell yeah! <laughs> but like I can, you know, if I spend time speaking French, it'll come back to me. But I I wouldn't dare right now go into like saying that. French is the third. It's kind of like it's there. It's it's right. somewhere in like the it's running in the background of my programming, but it's it's not active. Like, have you met those French artists that are performing at Freakout Fest? No, there's Ooh. like this whole group of like super blonde people. I haven't seen these France. very blonde people. No, you haven't. No. I I hung out with some pretty incredible people last night, though. Oh. I I mean, so I don't know if how famous they are in like kind of the anglo part of the world but okay. as far as like the the latin punk scene the psychos were like the first spanish-speaking punk band that came out of peru mm. in the 70s like late 60s early 70s and they influenced a whole generation they were they're incredible if people don't know them they should check them out and they were performing well the main vocal uh the vocalist and the main guy from the Psychos was performing last night with a new band, obviously. Mm -hmm. But um, so I got to meet him and it was just like incredible. Just he's such an amazing person and he, he he's such an important figure to yeah. like a whole generation of punks and kids that were like looking up at. I mean, for Mexico, the relationship with the U.S. and English speaking is a it's a complicated relationship right. i mean it's very embedded so to suddenly have you know an incredible punk band that's in spanish was i mean it just shaped so much culture so i got to meet him and then we were hanging out with uh, the girls from automatic okay yeah yeah very very cool did you see that show i didn't know i'm telling you like my fucking friends made everything so late yeah yeah i mean it was an incredible show mm. automatic is awesome um and yeah their friends from mexico are, are here so like the monkey bee folks and well, yeah we, we, we had a late one so you knew some of like the bands from yeah mexico for, okay. sure, for sure for sure yeah dope. i'm from la i'm from yeah isn't mexico city like huge though um i mean you know people keep saying it's very it, the, it's got a lot of um it, the population is dense okay. i wouldn't say that it's huge because i remember once to, I, I did the experiment of crossing from one end of the city to the other to like see how vast it is. Yeah. And it's and like and there was no traffic. It was a holiday. It was like uh, the Independence Day. So that it's one of the biggest holidays and the city was empty. I mean wow. like just there was there wasn't a soul. And it took me maybe maybe thirty minutes to cross from one end to the other. Oh shit. So it, it isn't that big. It's just a lot of fucking people. Yeah. Do you know Noah Pino Paulo by any chance? No, I don't. They're from uh Mexico City and I had them on recently. No. They're I'm... super dope. See, cool. That's interesting though, see no matter where whatever city you could be like the the main artist in a city, you still won't know everyone. It's uh Well you know you say art. this and you're totally like changing my perception of things but actually mexico city it 
certain pockets like it has pockets mm -hmm. and like if you whatever pocket you're in it's genre wise huh? genre and scene and like people because it's like the, the, the they, they coexist like music and art and right which is really cool because that creates a diverse kind of uh ecosystem mm -hmm. um but you but i guess i mean if we're talking like like the hip-hop scene is a whole other pocket 100 you know and rap and that's a whole other so as far as like the rock indie uh punk scene that's mm. like that's definitely so you're like a, you're like punk or what would you i i mean i've coined what i do garage folk because Ooh. it's folk music but it's trashy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hell yeah. So in many ways, like all my punk friends say that I'm punk because it it is it's got that 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 kind of rebelliousness to it. Like, yeah. Um, you get like tattoos and stuff. You feel like I you, got you get the part. Stuff, I do. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how did you get your start in music? Then was that being in the states? No. Or in Mexico not at City? All. So I or UK? I guess you put my, all, my, all yeah. Place. No, I was in the UK. So my my teenage years were all in the UK. Got it. So, I mean, with a bit of Mexico City, but mainly England. And I was going to art school. Ooh. So I did that because I was terrible at school, and I ended up in the UK because it was the only. I mean, the, as far as like the options that were presented, it was the educational system that most supported people like me, like mm. maladaptive people <laughs> that do like no good in maths, or geography. Or, I was just, I was a terrible student. <laughs> I was terrible, but I was very good in the arts. I mean, yeah. that was just like, like it was always hands down. Uh, so I went and I was doing art and painting and it was, uh, really into that and I thought I was going to be a visual artist that mm -hmm. was my and when I moved to Mexico I was in, I was doing the whole visual arts path getting the scholarships and I was like I had a gallery and I was like oh, wow. I was doing the whole thing and I was really building a career for myself in that um, and then but then I was also really depressed and mm. had like con constant panic attacks and I'm not saying that it was only because of this one factor but Obviously, loads of things influenced, um, but mainly, like, I just wasn't living, like, living my true path, mm -hmm. you know, and I would, the only thing that would regulate me would be to, like, play the guitar and sing. And so I started slowly, like, recording things in, like, my, on my laptop and just, like, basic, very basic garage band, mm -hmm. Tascam kind of vibes. And eventually, I was dating this guy who, like, overheard me sing. And he was like, dude, what the fuck are you doing with your life? Why don't you sing? And mm. I was like, no, I just don't be silly. like, no way. Like, I don't have just this is just silly. I had, you know, I just never thought it was going to be a thing. Uh, so it was a journey for sure. And I started so he persuaded me. And, I, you know, I have to shout that out because it's there is always that one person that's like, like, just fucking do it, you mm -hmm. know, and gives you that shove. Um, so I ended up singing back up for a band, uh, a f acquaintance friend who, who was going to help me produce it. Like I was like, well, I don't know what to do with these songs. Like just help me out. And he was like, I, you know, I don't have time for that, but like, you're welcome to like come sing back up in my band. So I did that to like get a sense of it and to see if it was something I wanted to explore. And I met my, uh, like my future bandmate in that band. So we broke out of that 
built a band together and that started doing really well in the local scene. Mm-hmm. We got picked up by a label and then did the things. Wait, wait, how do you get picked up by a label? Just by... Be, again, it's like this whole scene thing. Like, I, it, we all like came... Everyone in Mexico City from Natalia La Furcada, who just did a sold out Carnegie Hall, to Zoe, who would be like the Mexican oasis, you know, when in the, you know, kind of early mid 2000s, we were all nobodies. Mm -hmm. You know, we were all just like these kids in like the scene in Mexico City that wanted to do shit. Mm -hmm. And so we were all kind of going to the same nightclubs the same parties the same spots i don't know like same art shows and eventually we would just all meet and then it would turn out that this really cool kid you met you know randomly is studying a band and then that kid was picked up by universal music and then Mm. universal gave them budget to do a sub label and then and that's like over the span of 10 years so Mm. I think it's really important to work. As, you know, I read a book about the music industry and, and they say it in a very vague way. And I would like, as advice, say that specifically, they say they say like, become big in your local scene and then you, you move out. But I don't think it's so much about specifically musically becoming big in your scene. It's about being part of a community, working that community, being active in your community in like a, not just what can you do for me and like how can I show up in a way that brings something of value to my universe Mm -hmm. because it's a microcosm and then you grow together right but this individualistic mentality works for some I'm not saying it doesn't it's I think in the indie rock scene at least which is my scene you you need it it's like you totally it's interdependence and you have to like work in that way and that's I, I obviously had no idea that that's what um, would be the kind of stepping stones for me. Mm-hmm. But um, that's like in retrospect, that's how it worked. It was just mm-hmm. like being, that's the being in the right place at the right time. But it's really yeah. just about being active in it and, you know, being cool to people and just helping helping someone out without like a, a specific interest. But later down the line, it's just like, you know, you're part of, you're part of something mm-hmm. and you don't even know it. Until mm. you look back and you're like, holy shit, that was a scene. That was a thing. Right. And now so-and-so is like touring with the Black Lips and da-da-da. And, but it's not like, it's not about making the connections. You, you, you are connected. Right. But once artists eventually get part of a record label or whatever, it seems like they tend to leave their scene. Do you think that's just inevitable after a certain point? Well, I think growth can be difficult. I mean, everything, things that don't grow with you break. Right. So it's like a, it, it's a, it's part of life. You know, yeah. growth hurts because of that. Because you can't like to remain the same would imply death. Oh. Because the things that don't change die. I yeah. mean, that's the end of things. Like if you think about it, as far as like the Buddhist way of living and dying, and or the way even like anything, like at the moment you stop, like movement is life. Right. So the moment you stop moving and you stop growing and you stop. Because that's it. What, what do you do? You die. Yeah. Um, it's And like death of the soul, death of like just uninspired. Like when you see people that have clinical depressions or that have, you know, me- mental health is stigmatized. But it's really this whole feeling of like when you lose that motivation and that drive and that um, sense of like just keep going because you're too attached to the old version of yourself or you're too attached to your ego or you're too attached to fear or guilt. Or you feel guilty about leaving the people you love behind. Mm-hmm. 
it's hard. Right. But, um, you know, you obviously have to keep your values and your things in check, but sometimes it's just you outgrow situations and that and that's okay. You know, it's part of growing up. So when you when you found your, your purpose in music, you felt like things started to look up for you. Say look up. I think I definitely it was. Uh, it was still a journey. It was hard, really hard, because it was starting over. Yeah. I mean, I was already in like a very clear solid. Like I had been working my visual arts career for like just under ten years, so I was already like on something. Damn. And I was a, a beginner all of a sudden with music. I had no like. I I learned to play the guitar like on my own, just like you know, just learning chords of like you know song books um and i would sing just intuitively and then as i got serious about it i started learning more and like looking into it and then i actually went to school but it was all it was all just like it was always hard it was never handed to me mm-hmm. like even if even if you know all the right people you still have to, you like, have to. be the person to like show up and you know Take yourself, take yourself seriously enough because nobody's gonna believe in you if you don't believe in yourself. You know and right. that's a cliche, but it's true. That's interesting that you went, you were able to go to school for both types of art forms. Yeah, uh, it was. It, I didn't want to. I hated. I hated academia. I always. Um, I don't do well with authoritative figures. I have a very punk kind of like <laughs> personality, and I guess that's why I do well in that. See, I found my people, mm-hmm. <laughs> but. Uh, but I learned to mature that point um, because I had a, I actually had a vocal injury. Like a, I, oh, wow. I had a hemorrhage in my vocal cords because I didn't have technique. Mm-hmm. And I started singing with a band and I just like. Oh, were you touring? Or? We were, no, it was the very first time that I was like putting a band together. Um, and I, I wasn't used to it. I just wasn't used to Got that it. level of rehearsal and noise. And it was always just me and my guitar. So like suddenly. I was like yelling a lot, and anyways, I, I I hurt myself, and we were getting ready to 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 debut this album. Like we had never played live ever. Like it was a it was it was yeah it was amateur hour, mm-hmm. and um, I thought it was gonna go away on its own, and it didn't, and it got worse, and then suddenly like I lost my entire like high range, mm. and so I had to like look into it, and I was I started going to rehab for for my vocal cords and that led to 10 years of like I ended up joining a choir and singing like opera and uh, classical music and learning to read classical music because I needed to read the sheet music in order to so one thing led to the next it wasn't like I'm now going to study music it was like oh fuck but if I need if I want to do that then I need to know how to do that or even like things like the machismo in the music industry is hardcore so like when I would show up at a rehearsal and, and dislike an arrangement and I didn't have the vocabulary to explain why uh, because of this kind of like uh, power, because of the power struggles, um, it, it became like a necessity to be able to speak the language of music, mm. like and know what, I, like at least the basics. You know, it's like you move to uh, you you move to France, you got to learn how to order your coffee in French, right? You, so know, you can bring like, something to the table, basically. Yeah, always. Like you always have to, because that's growth, right? And if you insist on remaining the same, then. Not and I think that's it's a mindset thing, you know. Mm-hmm. So how did how did you find like a dynamic where people were able to like listen to you besides 
just, you know, speaking the language? Oof. Well, I think I I st- I began my solo career. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I I think that I knew I was intuitively wanting that, and I didn't know that 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 the band, that kind of band formation where it wasn't a hundred percent me, and we were all composing together, and it was like uh, a fragment of me, mm-hmm. was great because I learned a lot, and I you know it was it was a, the school of rock. But I, I had a lot of desire to just be having more creative control over what I was putting out and how I was doing the shows. And now that I'm doing my, now that it's Marion Raw and it's not the band, um, even though I, I'm putting together a band and I collaborate with them, and to me, their the creative input is as valuable as anything. It's very, it's still like being the head of something. Right. You, you know, you're like that. That's a role that I'm happy to be in now and I don't struggle at all with that kind of like with power struggles in any way mm-hmm. like the teams that surround me now are incredible and it's also a different time I mean Me Too hadn't happened yeah. you know there was so many things that weren't even like discussed and Mexico definitely has a I mean it's a very very toxic male culture and more intense than the US industry? I wouldn't I wouldn't compare it but yeah. I do think that it's a very different problem it's a very the problematic is different because for one the violence against women mm. is com- is out of control in Mexico right now women are dying all the time due to femicides and it's just like the amount of rape and the violence it's like this it's it's impossible to ignore and it's forced the whole culture to look at itself and be like, something is, this isn't normal. I mean, yes, you have obviously like mansplaining in the US and you yeah. got to like, uh, as a woman, you got to be a little bit more assertive and learn to like. So this is what you actually mean, right? <laughs> <laughs> but in Mexico, it's a whole, you're, you're not just like, you're, it's not just your experience. Like there's a crisis in the collective. Mm. And, and the way I see it is, it has a lot to do with the the way families raise their boys and and this is very controversial what i'm going to say and i i, I want to be careful about the way i word this because i i'm not saying that women are not the victims of male violence yes mm. but those males are being raised by women and so the relationship between men and their mothers i think is it's something that isn't being talked about because it's delicate mm. but it's the in the in the latin cultures and like um, the mexican mother is and i don't know if this is something that also happens in american culture i i don't i, I mean i don't know but it's like your your mother is like a saint yeah. she's almost like a godlike figure like you don't criticize talk back or like say like your mother is untouchable and it's this relationship with like uh, religion as well with like the Madonna the Guadalupe um, so men learn to repress themselves because they can't you know rebel against the mother they can't hate mm. the mother so they take it out on the women of their lives and so Damn. it's like machismo so it's like infidelity you learn to lie you learn to like backstab and you and there's like that's where it filters out and it's because you can't address it with your with the source of your your maternal trauma, you, it's like the mother wound 
Like you can't address it with your mother, so you take it out on women. Mm. And I think that that's that's my theory. That's my hypothesis. I haven't written a book on it. I don't know I, from my place of ignorance. That's just my opinion. But and how do you address that in your personal life? Like, do you do you write about it in your music? Do you deal with that with? I write a lot about it in my music. Do deal with it. Yeah. I think autobiographically, because I guess, again, from my place, my current place of ignorance, I speak of what I know. Mm. And my, I don't know, like that being in, I don't know, even your to- the, the lessons learned from toxic relationships or from narcissistic abuse or from, it, it's incredible to me that um, the amount of cases it just doesn't seem like it's a case or a statistic anymore. It does seem like it's part of the culture that we were, that so many women encounter narcissistic abuse and uh, toxic toxic relationships because they don't know what narcissism is, so they just know it's toxic and like this pull pull and push dynamic that's like that creates like just just very very uninspiring lives. Um, but you know the yeah I try to be active in the way I express and share the things that I feel comfortable sharing about my own experience. And I Mm. look to share that with other women and be vocal about it and as active as I can be. How do you think it's something could be easily changed though? Or is it just like a generational thing? Like it can't just be your music and certain people listening to it has to be like broke. It sounds like a huge. I think you're active. It definitely starts with like the hardest thing to do, which is, I mean, I'm not saying it's it's a full time job to be like an activist in the forms of like the public activist. But I think the hardest type of activism is the one that starts at home. Mm. It's like with you changing your dynamics, with you making better choices, with you working on your shit, with you being responsible of yourself and your emotional reactions to things. And then you start changing your your you know, intimate circle, and then that permeates into a bigger circle, and then that like that's my approach to activism. It's mm-hmm. like with myself, and then the way that you know kind of influences my surroundings and the type of conversations I have with my friends and my collaborators and my band and the things I don't let slide. You mm-hmm. know, the things that I call out and the things that I call out in myself and my willingness to like show up and be better. Like, and if someone tells me like, you're fucking up here, you're not doing it, like to be open to that. Right. That's, that's the hardest thing. So what keeps you in like the Mexico City then? Cause I feel like some people would, if they see all this stuff, it'd be easier just to go back to the US or yeah. the UK or whatever. I mean, I have to say that I, I'm very privileged to be able to come back and forth and to have family here and to like have that bicultural um, option but I just love Mexico mm-hmm. I mean I, it's like having said like that is a problem yeah but on the other hand people are just amazing and the generosity and the magic like the Mexican the we call it the psycho psychomagia okay. um, that exists in Mexico you can't explain it it's just like a constant psychedelic experience like stepping out of your house like it's just bizarre and it's and you meet people in the most random ways and you the aesthetics of the country the music of the country the different cultures the the amount of fun i mean it's just such a fun country Mm -hmm. and it's so rebellious and it's so 
chaotic, but there's a beauty within its chaos that I have, I don't find it anywhere else. Having said that, I love, love, love working in LA, for example. Mm -hmm. I love recording in LA. Like Mexico gives me all like this, like stimulate, like I get overstimulated and then I come to the US, US and I'm like, and, and I turn that into something. And so that's the way I integrate the two influences in my life right now. And I love it. I mean, it's wonderful. And I, I do feel like I live in both places, even though my home is Mexico. Mm -hmm. But I spend so much time here that it's just like, but but yeah, it's different. I mean, you, you know, where do you pay taxes? Where do you, right. you know, like right now that there's such a massive influx of Americans arriving in Mexico City and moving to Mexico City, like I, it's 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 amazing how that is a f that's a key factor like what are you actually giving to the country right, right. like that you're spending time in and it's it you gotta be are they given do you think americans are given to uh, mexico I, or is it kind of more of a take well <laughs> i can't generalize because i have Fair. so many amazing friends and people that give a lot Mm. And that, uh, like, I have a friend called Zoe Mendelson. She's from Chicago. She wrote this book called Pussypedia, oh. and it's incredible. You guys should totally check it out. She's a fucking genius. <laughs> incredible, incredible writer. And she fucking, like, went, she's like f more Mexican than me sometimes. You know, it's just <laughs> like, wow. Her, she speaks perfect Spanish. She pays her taxes. She lives in Azcapotzalco, which is like a really, like, like non-gentrified area of the city. Uh, she married a Mexican who's like a graffiti street artist. And so she's like really involved in her community. And and like she's a hardcore activist. Her book is amazing. And what's it, what's it you about? <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's sex education, but it's okay. the, the illustrations are by this Mexican artist called Maria Conejo. And it's just a wonderful book. And for men and women, for like gender, and I mean, even people without pussies, it's like you gotta read it. It's, it's so good. It's so so good because you need to be informed and like, where are you getting your sex education from? Um, you too. Yeah, you porn <laughs> guys. No. <laughs> um, so, but that's a really cool example of an American that completely, like, yeah, she's totally immersed in Mexican culture, you know, and yeah. and like for example, my family that's American and then my family that's Mexican that went through like the whole process of getting citizenship and green card. Like it's, you know, it's like you devote yourself to the process and it's, it goes both ways. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like, it's not a free ride in Mexico. Like you got to do the same thing. Like if you really want to be part of the community, you know, right. um, of course I have other friends that like do the same thing I do that come and go. I, I don't really judge it at all because if you have the freedom to come and go, uh, it's great. Yeah. It's, it's wonderful. But it's really cool when you actually, um, like, growing up in the US and in the UK, it was wonderful to be, like, fully immersed in the culture and to be part of it. It's great. And on the reverse, what do you give to the US? Yeah. Well, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. A guest appearance on the NAS podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, like, really cool music. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, I guess that's why for me, Mexico City is still home because I haven't actually, like, like, I come and go, you know. Mm. So what's that like when you're touring? Is it usually in Mexico or are you able to tour in the U.S.? Well, I mean, you're saying it like, I mean, my my solo project was born during COVID. Right. So I've only started performing live this year. 
Oh, so is this like one of your first? Yeah. Holy shit. Like with my other band, I did I did Cali. Like I mm. toured up and down a few times and uh, in both, you know, US and Mexico. But yeah, with, thi- with this project, like I literally put, like started performing this year as things started opening up. Right, it was over Zoom, like all your interviews. Yeah, and there. all, yeah. it was all digital festivals. And even though they were international, they were all, they were all online. Mm. So it's been, and it's also a different world to pre-COVID, post-COVID. I mean, things have definitely changed. So I, I feel like brand new. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so why the wait till COVID to start a solo project? Do you think it just like, it was a culmination of Oh, it was it coincided. It coincided. Like Got I started it. recording re- like just before COVID hit. So at the end of 2019, mm-hmm. I had Ghost in the Machine ready to go. But then covid hit and like the the label that i was like in talks with which was an american label totally disappeared oh man uh it had like major like me too shit happening and um and it like in three days disappeared (laughs) it just but like an important like yeah it was it was a big 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 deal and it was right around the time of black lives matter i mean it just was a really i was like i don't I don't feel like this is the climate to be releasing this particular album because of what I want to do with it. Like I do want to tour it. I want to put the band together and I can't do that in this. So I did another album and that's what I debuted with, which was Deep Cuts. And that was a complete DIY home recording task cam project that I did during lockdown. And it was a sign of the times. Mm -hmm. And I decided to like to, it just made more sense to start there because I was going to be able to play those songs in the format that they were recorded right. in. And, uh, and I think it was, it was a good choice. So it was, it's wonderful to look at time and space as something that isn't lineal oh, because yeah. it's like, yeah, it was really cold. Or something. <laughs> I know. Like what the fuck? It is freezing. I'm freezing. <laughs> I was like, Oh, it's sunny. No worries. It's, yeah, like my, I'm just going to wear a t-shirt and a coat. And it's like, yeah, nope. that's the thing about studios. Sometimes in the summer it gets hot as fuck in here and it's like freezing right now. Yeah. Because of the lights. Huh, as well. I feel like the lights would make it warmer. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. it's kind of, I don't know. I'm a cold guy myself to be yeah. honest. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I, I I guess what I lost my trail of thought, but I was saying uh, something that, about releasing. But the, yeah, time and space. Time it's and not space. lineal, and so suddenly, like I recorded Ghost in the Machine first, but that came out out after. But it made perfect sense to do it in that way, and so yeah, I'm right now excited about performing, and it's mm-hmm. been a great little tour. And what was it like performing on Friday? Friday Today's Saturday, was, or is it Sunday? Today's Saturday. I don't know days anymore. Okay. So, yeah, what was it like performing Amazing, yesterday? amazing. Right. I came out here with my friend Rodrigo Blanco, who's who's my main guitarist in Mexico City, and we just, and he's a great friend, and mm-hmm. we just collaborate a lot together, and it was, it's been so much fun. I mean, it's great. I miss the band. I love playing with my full band, so mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to to the show, the full band show soon. Uh, but I love this two-person setup. I mean, the sound in, in the Freak Out Festival was incredible. Mm-hmm. The engineers are amazing. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, I got to say, that's always, uh, that's really what determines how your show is going to go. Like, the experience for the artist, the experience for the audience. It's like, your engineer is a, an important part of... In Seattle, there's a lot, of, like a lot of the... Um, audio guys are total dicks too. Really? And everyone, like everyone here at Freak Up has been super nice. Oh my god! Like, um, fuck, I 
like I've just blanked on his name on my, the audio engineer that did us yesterday, but he was just like the loveliest. I mean, and just so on it, just right. like within three chords, he was like, yep, oh, it was ready. It was great. Hell yeah. Really enjoyed it. That might be because I feel like Freak Out Fest is more than just like a festival where you're trying to make a fuck ton of money. It's like artists for artists type deal, you know? So like if you're going to be an audio engineer there, it's not like you're just there because someone just called you up. You want to be part of that experience versus, I guess, yeah. I guess for a lot of venues after a while, it's like a, it's your nine to five job as in, I guess not even nine to five. See, you're not doing concerts nine to five but no. you're you're working at that 9 p.m to 5 a.m <laughs> yeah there, there we go <laughs> um but yeah like it's a i haven't done i haven't been to a lot of shows where i've talked to an audio engineer at a different like in a different city but mm. in the seattle area there's lots most of them are dicks it's oh i'm fucking... sorry to hear that i i feel very fortunate yeah that, there I we mean, go and he it turns out that he's the guy that did us yesterday is the same guy that's doing us on tuesday at rabbit box Rabbit is that in Seattle? Yeah, it's a oh, new so you're spot. here. Wait, how long are you here for? Till Wednesday. Oh shit! Yeah, because we're playing a show on Tuesday. And this is is like, do you know Seattle at all, or is this like no, your first? No, this is my first time. Oh here. my gosh! Let me be your tour guide, please. Wow, I'd love this. Wait, so what's Rabbit Rabbit Box? Rabbit Box. But you it's said a you new don't. Spot. It's a new spot. So um, it, like they opened it, I think a month ago. Oh shit! Yeah. So do you know what city it is in? It's um. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll look for it. Show, I mean, if you want after the, yeah, the interview, I'll, I'll show you. But um, um, Caitlin Sherman, have you heard of her? Mm -mm. She's a she's a local musician here. She invited me to put on this show with her and a few other uh, musicians from the area, and I'm just really excited. I'm like, I don't, I haven't, I met them yesterday at mm. uh, at the festival. Oh, super wow. cool. Uh, so I'm excited for that. Hell yeah! Yeah. So are you able to do music like full time? Yeah. See that that's awesome because then yeah. you're able to push back like tickets or whatever to to do things. I have nothing but gratitude for my career at this point, and yeah, you you stick to it, and eventually you start having freedom with it. And it's what people consider a sustainable music career is interesting to me because hmm. it's not it's not just the 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 you know like the I always I'm trying to find the word in English, but the like the splendorous achievements, yeah. the ones that really twinkle. Mm -hmm. It's like it's like you got to look at the small things that allow your day to day to be the way you want it, mm -hmm. and that kind of freedom and joy is like what else do you want? You know, it's right. just like fuck. That's that's success to to me. Wait, so when you were in previous bands, were you singing as well? So were you able to like stand out, and that's how record labels were able to be like, were yeah. interested in you, or how did that? Ah, uh, gosh. I had so my previous band was called Love La Femme, right. um, and it was with this very well. That's the thing, you know. Like my guitarist in that project, who was like we were, it was both of our bands. So I was a singer, and he was a guitarist, and um, he had a really massive band in mm. the early nineties. Like he was huge. In Mexico, like very, like kind of Suxi and the Banshees kind of thing. Um, the lead singer is she, she passed away, but she was incredible. Like kind of was a pretty incredible performer, and they were with BMI uh, back in the day. And so I guess what he was just he was older than me is, and 
had a, you know had a very solid career in music so that helped obviously mm-hmm. open doors because it was all his kind of networking and contacts that already existed and but it coexisted with my you know visual arts career right. that the music and art always kind of go hand in hand you know so that's it just complemented each other and i guess that was a unique element of the project that i was a visual artist and he was a musician and that was how it, and that that was true at the time now i'm a musician but mm-hmm. like back then it was like i was just a visual artist putting together a band with a musician so that turned a few heads and we were picked up by an indie label called panoram and uh and that was it was great i mean it was it was a nice little run but we didn't put out a lot of music we had a lot of music but we only put out a, an ep mm. um there's a lot of live shows and stuff but you got to go deep into the rabbit hole of the web to to really get into to get a sense of what our career was but we were together for like 7 years oh wow that's a, that's a yeah. good amount of yeah, time yeah that's a good amount of time and so now i've been i, I mean if i really look at it and do the maths it's been like 2010 to now like wow. strictly music so yeah it's it's been a while now damn yeah. and do you do any visual art anymore or? well i've integrated it into my project so like i get that buzz from doing all like my merch my music videos the photos collaborating obviously because i have to be in the photos like i mm-hmm. find photographers that i admire to collaborate with and um and that's so much fun. I love I love that part. I love editing. I edit all my music videos. Oh yeah, yeah. Um I love directing. I I do the styling. I mean, just I, that's where it all goes now. Mm-hmm. And it has like there's definitely a um a v- language in the visuals of my project. I mean, mm-hmm. it's important. It's an important part of it. Like, so an artist like yourself, how do you continue to grow is that just through touring releasing more music the right connections or yeah i, I mean i think if, as I, i think that's that's a two point co- uh, answer because one side is how do you grow artistically mm-hmm. and then how do you grow professionally uh like the the artistic side is like yeah you you i think the biggest enemy uh for creativity it's like is perfectionism mm-hmm. and that's the that's the journey like getting past the perfectionism and just doing it you know and it's just not there's a tendency to want to i don't know you do a song and you record a, a demo of it and then you stay in demo mode for like 5 10 versions right. of the song and you think like it can always be better and it's like no just like the the demo that was a song mm-hmm. like just let it go and keep moving and when and you'll the the song will grow on stage and it'll grow as other people collaborate with it and other people you know take the song on and make it their own and do you have any final words for for the audience uh you know just you know you uh, thank you for this space yeah. it's been awesome talking to you guys uh follow me on social media i'm on instagram as marion m a r i o n and i'm on facebook as Mar- marion raw music and twitter marion sosa uh and yeah stay tuned you know i'll be performing in la on the 17th part of kcrw's global beats so don't miss that and tuesday at you know rabbit box which i hope you can come down to rabbit box this has been the nas podcast with <laughs> oh it's your name oh with marion raw with 
Marion Raw. All right. And we did it.